On this week's episode, we welcome Logan Delaney and Joshua Bernard. Logan Delaney, which country owns SWIFT and why is it being used? Uh, owned by any one country. It's, it's a conglomeration and an association of financial institutions uh, in a number of companies, uh, in a number of countries. I believe there are, uh, are 11,000 banks and financial institutions that are associated with SWIFT. So it's, it's like a, uh, uh, an organization and the members are its users. Why is it being used? It's being used uh, as, as part of the uh, sanctions because it's a very convenient way of transferring funds uh, electronically from one place or, or one institution to another institution in a foreign country. And it's used for uh, financial transactions between countries. It's very similar to a wire transfer that's done domestically or an ACH. Josh, will it be effective? Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't think so. I think there was a time that it would be. I think it's going to hurt a little bit, um, you know. But I don't think it'll be as effective as it once would have been. I think there are a number of ways around it. Um, the SIPs, which is the Chinese yuan version of SWIFT or IBAN, uh, you know, it's interesting to see that Putin, right as this thing kicked off, meets with the Chinese leadership. I believe, guessing here, but I believe that it had something to do with being able to move that money. And ultimately, as long as you can settle your energy or natural gas and oil trades, um, you know, you, you still have the revenue. It's, it's a huge revenue source for them. And as long as they can get that revenue, I don't know how much really they need to be transferring across um, borders, at least for five, six, seven, eight months, you know, they've got the reserves. So no, I don't think it will be. What would have been effective to that would have impacted Russia financially, Josh? You know, um, I don't know, other than all out war, which I think would be idiotic. I, I think that we financially have the means to hurt them the, the way we once did. I mean, dollar, dollar hegemony is really the purpose of this war. I, I believe wholeheartedly that the global banking cartel is working with and Putin is working with them as well. Um, cut off the energy supply to Europe, drive them to LNG, which um, allows those trades and their energy to settle in U.S. dollars as opposed to the euro, the ruble, yuan. And so over this last couple of years, we've printed so much money, dollar hegemony has started to fall apart. Dollar demand isn't there anymore. And so controlling the world through the issuance of currency has started to fail. Um, and I think in order to get demand back into the Federal Reserve note, the Federal Reserve and all those thousands of banks involved in it and the SWIFT system that uh, were just mentioned need to have a bid for the dollar. And generally since 1971, that's been hydrocarbons, crude oil and, and gas. Logan, your response? I tend to agree with Josh that uh, SWIFT is an inconvenience, but it's not a, a great impediment to uh, Russia's. And if you want to have a great impediment, you have to look at where the, uh, the dollar flows are. And the dollar flows uh, 
happened to be in energy. Uh, a very large portion of Russia's uh, foreign exchange is based on energy. Um, last I looked, they're getting something like half a ma uh, 500 million dollars a day in revenues from gas and oil. Uh, that's a lot of a lot of revenues. And if you want to cut the uh, and, and and have an impact and and, and cut off that uh, supply of of exports, uh, export revenues uh, to the Russians, you have to figure out a way of supplying energy to the rest of the world, specifically Europe, uh, specifically um, uh, liquid natural gas uh, to Europe, uh, so that they can basically cut their umbilical cord to the Russians. Right now, the Russians have Europe over uh, a barrel when it comes to energy. And uh, it's gotten worse because you know the Germans used to have 30% of their energy coming out of uh, nuclear facilities. And a few years ago, uh, they basically said uh, they were shutting down all those facilities. Now that's 30% of your energy, and they were replacing it with natural gas coming from Russia. Uh, if you look at uh, the Ukraine right now, and you look at where the pipelines are, Ukraine has a lot of pipelines going through it with uh, Russian gas uh, going to the West. It's going to Italy, it's going to, uh, you know, all kinds, all other, a lot of other places in, in Europe as well. So it, it, I think the only effective sanction right now is to figure out how to cut uh, Europe's dependence on Russian oil and gas so we're not uh, supplying them with uh, $500 million a day in cash. So Josh, how big is Russia's default risk? And uh, is it being over-exaggerated? Um, the ruble is collapsing. They shut down their stock market this week. Uh, and um, Russia could hit a depression. What is the real story on Russia as it goes through um, fighting this war and the economics of it for its country? Yeah, you know, I wish I could say that I had the, the real whole story, but I do believe much of that is propaganda, at least at this juncture. Uh, I think we've seen a ton of propaganda and things that don't quite square uh, about motives. I think that, um, you know, Ukraine, if it was just, just Russian gas crossing the overland pipelines through the Ukraine uh, and, and into Europe, then why would Putin actually physically enter the country, right? But the reality is there's even more pipelines running from Turkey, you know, Armenia, the Persian Caucasus over land there that also needed to be cut off. And I believe this is just propaganda about they're going into Kiev and all this stuff. I don't think so at all. I think this is about cutting that energy off, driving Europe to liquid natural gas, which will make all natural gas prices and hydrocarbon prices globally go through the roof. Meanwhile, Russia has found other other bids, other buyers. They're exporting all over the world. And I agree 100% that, um, you know, that until you can stop that, there's not really a sanction that's, that's going to matter because this is a relatively low cost incursion for Putin and the, and the oligarchs. Um, and I think that there's some other things at play here. We've expanded NATO even since the fall in, you know, in, in 91, you would think NATO would have started to shrink or go away because its opponent was gone, right? 
but it didn't. It continued to develop countries and move closer and closer to Russia. We've had this argument with Putin for a very long time. Um, and then you throw on top of it all of the corruption and, and the stuff, you know, with the Clinton Foundation and various other entities that have been using Ukraine as a, a legal cash cow, you know, and money laundering uh, organization for a long time, you know, putting their kids on boards and just stripping cash out of there. And I think, you know, Putin has a lot of motivation that people aren't talking about um, to defend their sovereignty over there. And I'm not taking his side. He's not a good guy. I'm not saying that, but it makes sense. And, and Logan, why is it that we don't talk enough about Turkey and these other Arab countries and the role that they play? It's always the United States, it's always Europe, but yet there's some bigger players on the stage in this conflict. Well, uh, Turkeys would take offense if you called them Arabs. Okay. I, I, I said other Arab states. I was. Uh, not, I just said other. You mean Arab countries in addition? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that is one of the missing elements is that the Saudis, for example, have basically stepped aside on this issue. If we had a really good relationship with the Saudis, you would think that uh, there would be discussions right now between the U.S. and the Saudis and other uh, countries. Uh, in the, in the Middle East, but it's specifically the Saudis, to uh, make up the difference in oil and, and, and gas. Uh, and, and those conversations are not occurring, and I'm not quite sure why. Uh, I think, you know, you know, one of the things is that Russia uh, was, and I think still is, a member of OPEC, or, or a functional member, if not an actual member. And, uh, uh, you know, they're looking out for their eventual best interests, which is to keep the, the price of hydrocarbons and, and oil and gas in particular uh, high. And this is particularly true when you consider that, you know, if you look at the future, um, the West and most of the rest of the world is trying to figure out how to eliminate hydrocarbons, uh, you know, from the energy mix. And I suspect that at this point, uh, you know, it, that will that drive will go into overdrive because people realize uh, and governments realize that there's a certain dependence on the part of the world that you really don't want to be dependent on. You know, it's fascinating because uh, uh, what has been of little note is that when the UK issued its sanctions against Russia and the SWIFT they excluded seven Russian banks from that. Um, and, you know, what is, you know, sometimes you just don't know what to believe. There's so much that's propaganda that's out there. But one thing that is obvious from this conversation, Josh, is that America is really sitting on the sidelines with little leverage in this process. Well, I think, you know, America, generally does, no matter what the social constructs are, what the Federal Reserve Bank, the banking cartel wants. And I think I know why Saudi's sitting on the sidelines, because they're a partner in the petrodollar compact. They're the reason that all crude oil for so many years and, and, and hydrocarbons have settled to the Federal Reserve note is because in 1971, we defaulted. We ran out of money because of Vietnam and guns and butter. And we went to them and we said, well, offer you ultimate military protection for all time as long as you only take 
the Federal Reserve note, this new currency we're going to issue um, for settlement. And so they have the exact same motive that Putin and that the Federal Reserve Bank does. So the idea that Biden or anyone else is going to overturn what our currency issuer and our dark overlords at the Fed want, uh, it's not going to happen. You know, they're, they're all on the same team. And But not by, this is just by default, the currency that stands to benefit the most from this regional war is the almighty dollar. Right, 100%. It's gonna, the bid is gonna come in, there will be demand for dollars and that'll bail us out of the 6.8 trillion we just printed. It will shift all of that debt globally instead of just on us. And, you know, as long as that dollar hegemony holds up, that's the concept. And, 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 and Logan, this is the sad part about this conversation is that war stimulates and resurrect economies. Well, you know, that has often happened that you can stimulate your economy by starting a war. It's not a productive way to stimulate your economy. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's one of the, you know, the facts that, you know, war has been with us ever since humanity and civilization started. Uh, I suspect that war will continue to be with us. And the issue of how you finance wars uh, has, you know, it, it's always been, at least based on my knowledge of history, wars have always been financed by borrowing. Rarely are they financed purely by raising taxes on people, because if they did, you probably wouldn't have as many wars uh, going on. Uh, and I, I agree with Josh that right now, the United States has uh, uh, printed a whole lot of dollars. There's a lot of inflation on the horizon. Uh, you know, I, I, I'd be shocked if we would see anything less than 10% uh, over the next couple of months. Uh, and you know, one of the things about this conflict is that it provides a little bit of air cover to the Fed uh, and the Biden administration on Inflation. Inflation would be a much more difficult uh, issue for the current administration and the Fed, uh, and they'd have to be much more aggressive in fighting it, but for this uh, war. You know, I, I, I got to tell you, we've done many shows um, on the economy uh, and how the money chain works. I, I just must tell you, you guys were really excellent on this topic. Thank you for listening to this week's episode 